Hey there, I'm Tiffany Youngren, owner of OMH Agency, and welcome to Breakaway Agent. In a world full of real estate pros struggling to get ahead, there are a few who emerge and become wildly successful. If you are or are working to become one of these breakaway agents, then this show is for you. Thank you so much for listening. And even if you just get one thing out of this episode that helps you move, helps your business grow, then that is a huge win. Hopefully you'll get a few nuggets to help you move forward. Today, I am so excited to welcome Nikki Beauchamp, Global Real Estate Advisor of Angle and Volkers in New York City. Hey, Nikki, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Tiffany, I'm really excited to finally be doing this. I know we've had some scheduling issues, mostly mine over time. <laughs> hey, that's cool. You know, you got, you're moving and grooving. So um, I'm glad, I'm glad that it worked out and I'm really excited to hear, um, hear about your business. Uh, Nikki is an award-winning multilingual luxury global real estate advisor. She's a native Manhattanite who is trusted and respected globally by clients and peers as an expert in data and financial anal- analysis, negotiation, marketing, and technology. Nikki came to real estate sales almost 20 years ago after a successful career in technology and finance. In 2014, Nikki joined Anglo Invokers in New York City as one of the first advisors and has been acknowledged for sales accomplishments as part of the Engle Invokers America's Elite Advisors Club. Nikki, I can't believe you've been in it for 20 years. You look awesome. Sephora works wonders. <laughs> I have to agree. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well, Nikki, how about if you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Uh, so as you mentioned, I'm a born and raised Manhattanite, and that actually led me to real estate. Uh, when I was working in technology and finance, anytime someone moved to New York, they would always ask me, what should I do? Where should I live? And I would give my advice since I was born here. I was raised here. I also went to college and grad school here. And I would refer business to a friend of mine and she would tell me, please get your license. And I would say, no, no, I don't want to do that. I don't have time. She would repeat it again. Please get your license. I don't have time for that. One year she showed up at my holiday party and my referrals that year had paid for her car. So she insisted that I get my real estate license. So I took a week and sat for the course and I did that for a couple of years, and then I was tired and burned out from real, from tech and finance, which can happen a lot, especially if you're based in New York. And I said, maybe I'll try selling real estate. Might be interesting, might be fun. And almost 20 years later, here I am. Very good. That's awesome. Well, and um, obviously, you know, judging from your intro and the information that I've looked up about you and what you shared with me, it sounds like you've really found a lot of success in that. And, you know, I believe that everyone has strengths and as a high achiever like yourself, it really speaks to the fact, I think that you've leaned into those, what I like to call your superpowers. And before this interview, I actually asked you about your superpowers and to identify them. And you mentioned that one of them is having a sense of calm above all else. Can you elaborate on that? I am sort of an atypical New Yorker in that I'm definitely type A, but I'm very calm and even keeled. And that leads to being sort of the calm voice in a room when everyone is stressed out about either the negotiation or you're stressed out because you're not closing or there's a flood. I'm the one who comes in and says, okay, let's take a breath. Let's figure out what we need to do and come up with a plan so we can manage it and get to the goal and the conclusion. So that's definitely been my strength. And also, I don't enjoy being stressed out. There are 10 million other things I'd rather do, 
And if you need someone who's stressed out and really frenetic, I am not the person. I will happily <laughs> match you with that person and get a referral fee. And yeah, who likes that anyway? I mean, do people like that? I think there are some people who definitely do, but there are also the people who can appreciate that, you know, you can call me and I actually have had clients who will call me at like 11 o'clock at night and they're super stressed out and they are just very overly anxious. And this was before the days of do not disturb where my phone would ring and I would absolutely answer at 11 o'clock at night. And I would kind of like talk them down and say, look, you know, there's nothing we can do about it right now. Let's just take a breath. Let's, you know, let's talk to the attorney in the morning. Let's talk to the bank in the morning. You need to calm down and let us manage this. You know, you know there's no need to get hysterical about it. Quite right, frankly. exactly. I 100% agree. And um, I think a lot of times people worry about things that haven't happened yet. You know, that's always my thing that I'm always saying is like, if it's not in front of me and it's not real yet, you know, let's not worry about it. What, what do you think is the outcome? Like, I think it's really awesome that you understand the value of just being calm and, you know, thinking through things before, you know, while someone else is freaking out. What do you think is the outcome that like gives you an edge? Because also, don't you think people can, um, first of all, don't you think people can hone that skill? And second of all, what do you think is the outcome that they will see that would improve their business by being able to do that? I think that you can definitely hone that skill. I think that in the age of technology and this need to sort of instantly react to everything, or rather the perceived need to instantly react to everything, really does not lead to cultivating that sense of calm. You know, these these devices, you can put them on do not disturb. I always advise my clients that if I don't answer in five minutes or 10 minutes or right away, I'm probably sitting in a meeting with somebody else and I'm giving that person the same attention that I give to that client when we're together. So unless it's directly related to what I'm doing with you, let me just give it some time. And so many of the questions that we get asked as agents do require thought, they require research, they require analysis, and you have to sort of present that back. And I'm famous for saying, I I got that, let me get back to you. Because I do know that some people do need that instant reassurance. But when we initially start working together, I explain that I like to give the attention to the people and what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. if I'm face-to-face with you, I'm not going to be on my phone. The only thing that I will answer is if it pertains to what we're doing or if there's an emergency. And to me, an emergency means that one of my elderly parents or now my surviving elderly parent needs me. Other than that, pretty much everything else can wait at least five or 10 or 15 minutes or an hour or whatever the case may be. <laughs> whatever it needs, right? Whatever it needs, yes. That's awesome. Well, I think that's a really good way to do it. Um, you also mentioned that the depth of the relationships that you have, and I'm, I'm assuming with your clients, and also your intuition are two other factors in your success. Uh, what kind of habits do you think regarding related to those would you recommend to other agents? Or do you want to maybe talk so, a little bit more on that depth of relationship? The depth of relationships. Uh, so when I was an undergrad, um, philosophy was also one of my interests. And I forget the philosopher right now, but there is a statement that you should listen more than you speak. And if I think about it, I've got two eyes, well, four, because I wear glasses. I've got two ears and I've got one mouth. 
So I always listen and observe more than I will react. And that allows me to listen to what people are saying and then incorporate that into our discussions. So my clients always feel like they're being listened to. I'm paying attention to even the most minute of details. And all I'm really doing is shutting up, letting them talk, and then incorporating that into the discussion. I think it's fascinating because you talk about like listening and just really hearing and talking less um, in response to how to build a deeper relationship. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And you have to be interested in your clients. So I'm not a person who talks about, well, I did this and I did that. I will ask, what are, what are your hobbies? You know, what's most important to you in a home? You know, how close do you need to be to your gym? How close do you need to be to your favorite, you know, your restaurant or whatever that case may be, or maybe you love to read. And I probably have learned that because you've told me that you've just read, you know, the last, these last three books by whatever author, and you would love to have a place in your apartment where you can really have a quiet spot to read. But if I'm talking, talking, talking over you, I would miss those details. Awesome. And then how about intuition? How does that play into it? I am a big believer in sort of going with your gut feeling. And sometimes I can feel that maybe our energy is not aligned or maybe our personalities are a big clash. And that means that the experience is quite frankly going to be probably miserable for both of us trying to work together because we're going to, we're kind of going to clash rather than calmly coming together and being able to work together and recognizing that earlier and sometimes having that discussion with someone where we might, we might have an introductory buyer consult or seller consult, and we'll have a discussion, and we might come to the end, and they might say, well, I really want to work with you. And I might say, well, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity to have had this discussion and the opportunity to work with you, but I don't, I'm not sure that we will be the best fit. However, I do think I know the person would be the best fit. And sometimes... It's, and if you're dealing with couples or families or often when I'm dealing with an estate and you have multiple siblings, so you're dealing with all of these personalities and you're trying to figure out and you have to kind of sort of not bob and weave, but adjust to different people. But sometimes there is a fundamental mismatch and I don't want to be miserable and I don't want someone else to be miserable. I want it to be as pleasant an experience as possible. And often you're helping someone buy or sell a home possibly at the best time in their life, but it could also be the worst time in their life. Hmm. Someone could have just died or someone is dying and you're trying to find that next home for the surviving partner. And if you're not going to be a match, you don't need to make things more stressful than they are. Right. So do you, um, I'm just curious, like, do you do mostly like, uh, home, residential homes? Mostly residential, residential condos and co-ops. And I do deal with investors as well. That's another facet of the business. And I think there, it's much easier to be very focused on what are the numbers? There's not as much of that emotional component involved, but quite frankly, there could be a clash in working styles. Right. And that could also be like, I, I'm too old to be miserable. Life is too short. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, 
For sure. I mean, aren't we all like too old to be miserable? We, we, we really, we really I would are. Like to encourage and everybody out there, you are too old to be miserable. You're too old to be miserable. <laughs> life is life is too short, yeah. you know. And this week in particular, I'm reminded of that because I have a friend whose son uh, met an untimely death in a freak accident. Oh, and you know, when you think about that, and you want to think of every not think of every day as if it's your last, but make sure that you're doing the things that sort of feed your soul and make you happy. And you're working with people that you want to work with and you want to be working at the, at the company that you want to be with. You don't, that friction is going to age you and cause more misery. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Like just value every single day. Like it's the really, and that's, and that's actually probably the biggest gift that I got from transitioning from my old career to this one is the the time that I gained in terms of being able to truly structure my life and my schedule to be able to be present with my family. Like I mentioned my elderly parents who I was a primary caretaker for. If I'd been in my old career, I would never have had the time to be present. And granted, a lot of that was by choice, but you learn to make different choices as different things happen in your life. And I think that's much more important now that we've got these devices that buzz and bing at us at all hours of the day and night. Yeah, that's really true. That's really true. And um, so in the position that you're at, like, do you ever have opportunities to mentor other agents or like, are you kind of just sticking in your lane or like, how does... So I, I do separate from my sort of real estate brokerage practice. I'm very involved. Sometimes I think too involved in other industry organizations. So here in New York, uh, we our local real estate board is the Real Estate Board of New York, and I've been an active participant and member for more than 10, 15 years. I serve on a couple of different committees. I co-chair one. Of, I co-chair a committee that's the only committee that's the voice of the everyday agent, no owners, no brokers. I teach continuing ed a couple of times a year. And I'm always open to having those discussions and being sort of a phone call or an email away from new agents, from agents that I've known for you know, 15, 20 years. And we all act as that kind of sounding board for each other. As well as here in the office, I'm always happy to answer questions. People will say, hey, Nikki, do you have a minute? I'll say, okay, wait, give, give me one second. And then I answer the question. And then in addition to that, I am an active member of the International Real Estate Federation, where I've served at a couple of different levels. And I'm actually currently the president-elect of the U.S. national chapter. Oh, so, very good. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's great to have an opportunity. And I think the way that I look at it, People say, well, why do you give your time at the Real Estate Board of New York? Why do you give your time to FIAPSI? You know, why do you help your colleagues in the office? Why do you help colleagues who are at another firm? And you, you get back what you give. Hmm. And I also, and I tell people also selfishly, I want to make my life easier so that when we're doing a transaction, it's smoother. So if I have knowledge that I can share... I feel that's important. It's also bringing that next generation into the game as well. Because I don't want to be doing this forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's really good that you engage in um, things like that and get out there. One of the things that I had asked you ahead of time was something, a piece of advice that you're really passionate about that would help other real estate agents and brokers in today's market. And you mentioned specialization, which can be property specific or client specific. 
Can you talk more about that and what you mean by that? Yeah. So I think that you have to be true to who you are and figure that out early on and then figure out a either a type of property or neighborhood or a sort of a, a special group of clients that you're focusing on. So in my case, originally when I first started selling, I was primarily Upper East Side. I basically didn't do anything outside of there. It, part of it was also laziness. I like to be able to walk to everything. And then over time, I realized that so much of my business comes from the relationships that I have that I really wanted to sort of go deeper. So as an example, my background is in finance and technology. So lots of my clients are, you know, they're hedge funds, they're family offices, they're tech entrepreneurs. They are people who grew up in New York. They're people who went to my, to my, to my high school, to my middle school. Yeah, they went to school with me or they know someone that I went to school with in college or grad school. And then that becomes sort of a specialization in its own way. And I am, I'm usually the first call that people will make when they have any kind of real estate question. Um, even including, I have a fun story where two of my really good friends, their son decided he wanted to buy a house. And they're both Ivy League educated. I'm not the only real estate broker they know. As a matter of fact, their college friend is also a real estate broker in my market. And they said to him, well, you call Nicole and you tell her your idea. If she thinks your idea is a good idea, then we are 100% behind you. Mm. And so I spoke on the phone with him and I said, well, okay, I don't quite understand how it is that you made the money for the down payment because, you know, he's a millennial and he was doing something. He was uh, a sneaker arbitrage was how he made enough money to pay for a down payment for a house. And he had figured out that the people he was living with, if they came and they lived with him and paid him rent, he would be okay. And so I listened to him. I said, okay, I understand that. And he says, will you be my broker? And I'm going, I don't, I know nothing about where you want to buy a house other than I need to take a boat to get there from Manhattan. <laughs> but one of my very best friends is a broker there. And so I matched them up and I, I, I said to her, I said, look, I don't know if what he wants is actually feasible, but I think it sounds like a good idea, but I think you would be the broker that could help him. And she did, she helped him buy a house. And, but the, the, the level of trust that, my clients place in me to tell their kids, we will say yes, if she says it's a good idea. Hmm. And I think that's when I talk about like the depth of the relationships. I have clients that will, and that happens a lot when my clients are helping their kids either buy or rent. And they'll say, you look at her face when you're walking through an apartment. If her face does not look like it's a good idea, you're not getting that apartment. Turn around, <laughs> turn around. And I will tell people, this is not a good idea for you. Mm. And I will say why it's not a good idea. And they will say, well, you're talking to yourself out of a deal. I said, yes, I am talking at myself out of this deal, but I, it's that investment in that long-term relationship. I can talk you into almost anything. I really can. Mm. But it's, if it's not in your best interest, I would not be doing my job if I were not advising you in that light. That's really, that's really good. Um, 
I can completely relate to that. <laughs> so I'm listening to you, I'm just like, exactly. Amen. You know, because well, it's, it's true. It's like, it, it really is. Ex- it's just showing the care instead of the, it's not transactional. It's, it's not, it's not transactional. And the other part about it is, is that if, if it does in fact turn out to be as bad of an idea as I thought it was for you, you are never, ever going to stop telling people how bad of an idea it was. And you're always going to, you'll forget a lot of people involved in that transaction, but you will probably never forget that I was the one working there with you. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the word of mouth you don't want. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, just kind of switching gears now, I really like that you're so committed to growth, even as a high-performing agent. What are one or two things that you struggle with today when it comes to growing sales? Uh, it's, I think, uh, you know, delegation has never been one of my strong suits. I've had really wonderful assistants in the past, and I haven't quite found that person who fits. And I think that a lot of it comes from because I'm so high touch that it's less about finding someone who can replicate that, but it's also about finding the person who can kind of take care of the back end administrative things so I can spend more time with my clients, not less. Exactly. Like to, me, to me, everything that I do should be geared to being able to give you more time and more attention, not, not less. Not saying, okay, well, you, you talk to Jane about that. She's going to take care of it from here. Like mm-hmm. I never, I never want to be that person. That's the same reason why you know, I have clients that often when I help them buy apartments for investment, sometimes they're small apartments, you know, small studios. My clients will say, oh, you don't want to do that. And I said, well, it's part of my job to do that for you. It's a pleasure to be the person doing that. I don't want to hand that off to someone else and potentially have someone else come in and build a, a relationship with the client. And that's, that's definitely a struggle. Um, and I have accepted, I think in recent, more recent years, the last five or six years, that I'm not for everybody. And that's okay. And my definition of success might not be someone else's definition of success. I like to sleep. I like to, I like to eat calmly in the evening with my family and friends whenever possible. I live in New York. I love to go to Broadway shows. Hmm. You know, there are things that I'm not willing to give up, but by the, because I explain to my clients, there's a distinction, and I've explained this to other people before, there's a distinction between accessibility and availability. I will always be accessible, but I won't always be available. But if you advise me, I can make myself available. You know, I can move things around. So if you tell me, Nikki, I need to talk to you at 11 o'clock on Thursday, 11 p.m. And I'll look and I'll say, well, I can't do 11 p.m., but I can do, I've had, I, do, I will do calls at midnight and at 1 a.m. if I have to but it's because you've advised me that that's the time that works best for you. And then I kind of rejigger my schedule to accommodate. But if you call me at 11 o'clock or midnight or 1 a.m. and it's not scheduled, chances are I'm going to be asleep. But if you tell me in advance, that's the only time that works because you're traveling or you happen to I have clients who are in Dubai, I have clients who are in Tokyo, I, I will adjust if I have the notice so I can kind of move things around. 
seems like what you're speaking to both in delegation and what you're talking about with this whole idea of really setting boundaries for yourself and your clients, which does everybody a huge favor. We're talking about processes, right? So like even when you're like, in fact, first I want to point out too, I'm really proud of you for saying that you struggle with delegating most agents and you guys know who you are out there say I'm too busy. And I'm like, my brain automatically like turns that into like, you have trouble delegating, (laughs) you know? I mean, we are, we're all busy, right? We have the same 24 hours, like, and and yes, sometimes we're, you know, sometimes we do better and sometimes we do worse at time blocking and delegating and things like that, or something comes up and we become, you know, then there's an anomaly in the whole process. So things are going to come up, but if in general, we're able to operate our businesses in a way that we're able to scale them without you know, going crazy. (laughs) It it has to do, it really speaks to processes. And I think that's one of the things probably that you're trying to, to grasp onto, which is how can I free myself up to not only sell more or the same with getting to do the stuff that you like the most and that you are, it's your highest and best use, honestly. And then, and then, um, and, and the things that you just want to do, which also is your highest and best use. And but then be able to delegate and have systems in place for some support person or people to help empower you to grow even. Yeah. I used to, I used to call it, you know how you have a to-do list? Well, you should also have like a to-don't list. Mm. And a couple of years ago, I actually sat and I installed an app on my phone and I can't remember the name of it. And I wanted to track the different things that I did and how long they took. Mm. And I was fascinated because often a lot of my clients are not based in New York. So I was fascinated by the amount of time that I had to spend in sort of that correspondence mode. It was the emails, it was the text messages, it was the conference calls. And then it was, you know, the previewing of properties or how long it takes to get from one place to another, or that it takes, you know, I read, I read articles every day, but it might take me six hours to put together a newsletter. And I go, well, that's not really the best use of my time. Or like, I actually do enjoy it when I used to blog more. I love the process of actually writing. Mm. And I found that for me, that was, a, that was a very good use of my time because the way that I write is very infused with my personality for better or worse. And that was hard for somebody else to do. So maybe if someone else put together the newsletter, but I put together, you know, and I spent Saturday, I spent three hours on Saturday writing three blogs, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But really it's figuring out the things, what are the things that I don't need to do? Or what are the things that I can do more efficiently? Like, I'm not ashamed to admit that sometimes I need to leave a voicemail message, but I cannot risk getting the person on the phone because I know that every time you're on the phone with this person, it's a one hour conversation. I will slide dial and leave a voicemail. <laughs> Okay, gotcha. <laughs> because that's better than the 90 minutes that the that the phone call becomes and that becomes that becomes a struggle. Or sometimes you tell people I only have 5 minutes. And not everybody is good at respecting that you only have 5 minutes. Right. Right. And so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a struggle and I find it's more and more of a struggle because you know, you walk around with one of these in your hand most of your waking moments. I don't take my phone into, um, into sleep at all. That's good. 
<laughs> you know, and it's not the first thing I reach for in the morning because granted it's not in, I still have a traditional alarm clock that's right. across the corner from my bed, close right. to the door of my bedroom and, you know, things, things like that. And again, these are the conversations that I have with clients that, you know, I am, I can gener- I'm generally pretty amenable to being available anytime from about 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. Because I get up at around 4.30 or 5. That's a long story. So <laughs> past 7 p.m., I ask, you know, send, send me a text message or, say, or let me know, hey, I need to speak to you at 8 o'clock. I need to speak at 9 o'clock. And there are always variations for that. And we try, I try with clients to figure out what, what form of communication do you want for which reason? Do you want a text message? Do you want an email? You know, sometimes I will text you and say, we need to talk about this because why should we 16 text messages back and forth over the course of an hour or a five minute conversation? Mm -hmm. And I will often say to people, I'll do three rounds with you. And on that third round, I'll say, when can you talk? Right, right. Because that's exhausting that back and forth. Yeah. You know, my daughter, she's an, she's an agent in LA and I, you know, she's so sweet. Like this is a mother's dream come true is your daughter. Like my husband and I were in real estate for over 15 years and we had our own company. And, uh, and so now, and, and he was third generation realtor. So it's like wow. DNA ridden. Right. Yeah. And so with her, I mean, mom's dream come true is your daughter. Like, hi mama, you know, can you, what do you think about this email? And so she'll call me and ask me all these questions. And, um, and, um, that, you know, that's always one of the things that we're talking about is, uh, you know, just honing in on, you know, doing the right thing at the right time and, um, you know, setting those boundaries and things like that. So yeah. the other thing I love is, um, boomerang. Oh yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Because yeah. I, I have it. I have it on my phone. I often go through phases where I can't sleep or if it's one of those evenings where I'm dealing with people in Asia and I'm up until 2 AM, I might want to write things, but you don't need to know that that email is going out at 2 a.m. Right. Okay. So just yeah. anyone who's listening, Boomerang is a really powerful uh, tool that you can, um, I know they have a, an app on um, Chrome that you can attach to Chrome that works through Gmail and you can snooze emails. You can, if you want inbox zero, I 100% suggest at least looking into it and seeing how robust it is. There's a lot that you can do with it. Um, and, and the scheduling is definitely one of them as well as I'm, I don't like indication. Like I don't like little red indicators. So I am in love with boomerang. (laughs) So interesting. You mentioned like little red indicators and things like that. I don't have notifications. I have notifications on my phone for phone calls, text messages, and WhatsApp. Those are the three things. So, so if you're listening again, go to your phone and check the settings and go to notifications and you can select what kind of notifications you want for the different apps that are on your phone and you can disable them or you can turn this, you know, you can literally go from banner to the little red dot, which is to nothing. Yeah. Part of what happens is that, you know, we've got so many different apps that we use and we have so many different notifications and you know, it's like that Pavlovian instinct. You hear the bell and you pick up the phone. Yes. You hear the bell and you pick up the phone. And it's, it, I don't, it, I, I, I fully 
except that I don't multitask well. Like I want to focus on something and all the distractions, every time I get distracted, I turn around, I forget what I'm doing. Now I've got to, I've got to finish that, but I'm not in the right mind frame to do whatever that is. And it just, it spirals out of control and it just makes your life more chaotic and it makes it more focused. And I just, it drives me up the wall. It well, really technically does. human beings cannot multitask. Like technically, yeah, technically in the technical exactly. sense, none of us can multitask. When we multitask, we're, it's diluting the outcome it's, really. It's re- it really is diluting the outcome. And I think that we have this thought process that you must respond instantly to everything. Like I, I've over, everybody gets these calls for people who want to sell you things for these you know, online leads and you have to answer like right away. And I said, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's probably not a good fit for you. It really, it really isn't because, you know, I, I answer as quickly and as timely as I can, but this whole, you know, I need to answer something in 90 seconds. I could be in the bathroom for crying mm-hmm. out loud. And I don't yeah. take myself to the bathroom. I yeah. was actually somewhere recently and someone was on the phone like clearly on a conference call in a ladies room. I might like, my mind was blown. I was also very grossed out, but I think that. Dear everyone, don't do that. Yeah, dear everyone. Don't, don't, don't be, be that, that guy. Don't be, don't be that guy. But it's interesting when you try to focus on something, how much clearer and how much quicker you can get things done. That's like, I mentioned that I get up really early. Part of it is that I am simultaneously a night owl and an early bird, and my body just kind of pops up at the crack of dawn. Mm-hmm. And one of the most beautiful things about that time of day is that everyone else is asleep. <laughs> so I can read, I'll read a book, I, might, I try not to look at my devices that early, but it can be a good time to get some uninterrupted writing in. It can be some good time to go through, maybe I need to send messages to 10 people today, and that's the time of day that I can think through the, hey, how are you sort of message. And I can write them and I can schedule them and boomerang to go out, you know, after 9 a.m. or whatever the case may be. So Absolutely. things like that, finding those pockets of time and calm really have been essential for me. That's awesome. Okay. So we're getting close to the end, but I've got two more things I want to do. And the first okay. thing I call rapid fire. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm going to say something, and then you briefly tell me your favorite tool, person, or whatever other response seems appropriate. If you want to say pass, you can say pass. Like if it's a secret or you don't really have an answer, you can say that. Um, So you ready to get started? Ready. All right. All right. First thing, time blocking. I'm telling you my favorite thing, or if I do if If you time block, what is your favorite tool for time blocking? I use my, my calendar. I just look at my calendar, pen and paper and my calendar. Okay. Literally pen and paper. Okay. So calendar, you mean like an online, like paper, like actual paper, um, (laughs) like a day timer? Sometimes I will print out my Google calendar, like I'll print out like a daily version of it and I'll block out what I have to do. Perfect. Favorite technology? My... You know what? I, I might have to say my Apple Watch. Oh, very cool. A favorite CRM? At the moment, I use Contactually, and I've been a, for many, many years, and I love it. Okay, good. Sales pipeline management? 
uh, I think we have a uh, we have some sort of built-in thing that it, at EV. So I use I use that. I don't even know what it's called. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Um, how about uh, transaction management? Uh, pass. Okay. Favorite book right my, now at this moment in time? My favorite book right now at this moment in time, ironically enough, is not like a reading book. It's a book of crossword puzzles, New York oh. Times puzzles. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's uh, what I do in my downtime. That's awesome. Overall mentor. Huh. That's an interesting one. I don't know that I can pinpoint one specific person. Okay. How about real estate teacher or coach? Um, that's interesting because I also think I can't pinpoint one specific person on that as well. Different people have had different impacts on me over the last 20 years. So is there anyone who kind of inspired you in the industry to kind of get you, get you to where you are right now, would you say? Um, one of my mentors in terms of giving, giving back um, is Marie Spodek, uh, who used to teach. She was a national teacher and trainer, and I actually took a certified negotiation expert course with her in New York. And it was a wonderful experience. Um, from which actually a group of 10 of us then formed a mastermind group. Oh, very good. That was, that was really amazing. And also same thing, uh, many years ago, I was a Tom Ferry coaching client. And after an event here in New York, a group of 10 of us formed a mastermind group. And we did that for a couple of years and sort of you know, mentored and inspired each other. And it was a great way. You know, We were all from different companies. We were all different levels of production, but it gave us it gave us a forum where we felt we could come and talk to each other and share and teach each other. That's awesome. Yeah. Mastermind groups are, I'm a huge fan. How about I'm a huge fan. If, you oh, find the right, if you find the right group of people. Yeah, exactly. Really yeah. Don't give up if you've tried it and didn't like it. Cause they're yeah. definitely good ones out there. How about training resource? Training resource in like in I, real estate, like, cause you know how you get your license, but it doesn't really teach you how to be a real estate agent. <laughs> so yes. what was your favorite real, real estate training resource? Um, I, I've done most of my sort of continuing ed through my local real estate board. And one of the reasons that I have found that to be the most impactful is the teachers who are usually have been successful brokers and there are other great real estate attorneys and also the quality of the networking and the other people in the room where again, you can kind of find your, you can find your twin in the room almost or someone that you aspire to be to and form relationships. Um, I think that different, there are different companies that have really amazing training programs. Uh, I did when I first joined ENV within I think I was about, I was here for about six weeks and I did the EVCP and it was a great, it was a great way to understand and embrace the brand and figure out how to weave that into my personal narrative. But I think my favorite training resource by far over the last 20 years has been the continuing ed and professional development at my local real estate board. Very good. Very good. What is the most underrated resource in your industry? Huh underrated resource. 
like something that you use, you're like, you know, other agents overlook this. This is really awesome. <laughs> uh, so there've been several of those over the years. Um, I used to love something called Bifolio that was ultimately acquired by Zillow by, uh, by Zillow a number of years ago. I use a, I use something called Urban Digs, which help, which helps me do analysis of properties here in New York. I also use something called Compit, which is a similar platform. Um, I, th I think that might be, and also public records okay. are, an are an incredible source of information and ways to verify information. You know, when you're sitting with someone and they say, yes, they've paid off their mortgage, but you, but they actually haven't paid off their mortgage or being able to really verify who the, who the legal owners of things are. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's also something that probably comes up more often than not. You want to be sure that when you're dealing with, especially when you're selling something, the person who is trying to list something for sale is actually the legal owner. And going back and checking against your public records, I think is super, super valuable. And they're in different parts of the country. They're not always the most easy to navigate but it's worth figuring out how or figuring out, I know a different MLS is pulled from, I'm in New York, so that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but and yes. I know it's true that, and most of the time the local uh, public records are different than the other. Like you can't just get trained on how to look up public records. They're all different. And yeah. it's just a matter of digging in and, and learning how to use it. So that yeah. I agree 100%. We use those all the time and I don't ever hear anyone talk about it. So it seems yeah, like- you never hear anybody answer. talk about it. This is true. Okay, so last question. Sure. I am a huge foodie, and I always end with this question. What is your favorite dish, and where do you get it? Oh, my favorite dish. Like right now. Like if you right now, if I showed up and I was like, hey, tell me what to eat, and where should I go get it? What would you tell me? So one of my favorite things are... Um, uh, what do you call them? Are they're sort of soup dumplings. Oh, they're uh, sort of dumplings, but with uh, broth in them. And I consider them like I think they're called juicy buns. I forget I forget the the name Jiangbao. I think I may have oh. totally butchered the 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 Chinese name for them. But they're amazing. So they're Chinese. They're Chinese. Because I'm like I know there are dumplings and soup in a lot of different. <laughs> yes, yes, they're, they're <laughs> so. Chinese, and I think okay. they're called. Jiang Bao, I may be mispronouncing or misremembering, but they're amazing and they're kind of like my comfort food. I can always eat those. And where uh, would you get them? Where would so you? So there's Joe's Shanghai down in Chinatown on um, Powell Street, and then there's a diff there's a different place that I love to go to, but okay. I can never remember the name of it. Okay. <laughs> I can only remember how to get there when I'm down in Chinatown. Okay, awesome. Well, if you send it to me after this, um, I will. I actually have a Yelp list. Okay. So if anyone's like, "Hey, where do every?" You always ask everybody that, except for a couple of my guests have said like my husband's mashed potatoes and things like that. <laughs> Those are not on there. Um, yeah. But other than that, we do have like a map. You can see it. So I have like a collection of the breakaway oh, agent 
best spots and best things to eat. So if you send it to yeah. me after, we'll be sure to include that as yeah, well. I'll send, I'll send it to you. I mean, everybody could say, oh, there's always pizza, but I... <laughs> <laughs> I am kind of on a low to no carb mode, but okay. one of my fa- one of my favorite pizza places is a place called Farinella, and they're on Lexington. There's actually one right by the office here, and there's one near my apartment, and there's just super fresh, super light, and not classic New York style pizza. Classic New York style pizza, yeah, Joe's Pizza is probably one of my favorites, and Patsy's. Okay. Well, now you're just making me hungry. So, well, that's yeah, <laughs> no, you have all these good, you're like, oh, I mean, it's, it's uh, about dinner time for you. So you're probably like, hmm, where should, yeah, going, <laughs> what does sound good right now? <laughs> what, does, what does sound good? Yeah. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It's so much fun. Thank you so much. Of course. I, and I think you give us some really good takeaways. I mean, from the whole idea of just really listening and developing these good relationships to how to manage your business so you can enjoy it more. But I really think the nuggets, like the really good people should be getting their pens out, came at the end when you were naming off all those tools. <laughs> so, but maybe that's just me. I'm a total geek like that. So thank you. And thank you so much to everyone who's listening. And remember, the best is yet to come. <laughs>